0: As Mike said, my name is Kelsey Oldenkamp. I'm the pastoral resident here at Rock Hill. And would you join me in a word of prayer as we begin this morning? Father, we thank you that we have this opportunity to start the new year here in this place. Lord, that we can get 2023 started off right. God, we pray that today we would hear from you through the worship, through the sermon, through, God, whatever, whatever means you would use this morning. God we just pray that you would be speaking to us. Father I pray that you would use this imperfect instrument to speak the words that you need your people to hear. In your name I pray. Amen. Whenever we make a decision, we ask ourselves, is this worth it? Every time. Even if it's a split second, there's a cost benefit analysis that takes place. Should we go to Florida for vacation this year? Should I go to this wedding? Should I make lasagna for dinner? Is this worth the effort that I'm about to put into it? What bad stuff could happen if I don't do this? I remember there was a point in my college career where this happened. But it wasn't at the start. It was long after I had made the decision to start. But the question was the same. Is this worth it? there was a particularly difficult semester right in the middle where I was asking myself, is it worth it? The end really wasn't in sight. It was still a long ways off. And I was starting to question whether I was even going to be able to do it. See, the question had become, the answer to that question had become much less clear than when I had started. Is it worth it? isn't a question that we answer for ourselves one time and then it's settled. The bigger the commitment is, the question comes up more times and is more important. Should I buy this car? Is this a friendship that I should keep pouring time into? Should I take this job? Should I stay at this job? For every Christian, the most important commitment that you make in your life is to follow Jesus. First, accepting Him as Lord and Savior, and then every day choosing to take up your cross and follow Him, knowing the cost and knowing that it's a road that's marked with suffering. Is it worth it? The answer is yes, but how do we remind ourselves of that when our faith comes under attack? Or when we know that following Jesus means caring for that person? Or when... We're losing the fight against sin. How do we live like following Jesus is worth it? In the book of Hebrews, the author spends the first 10 chapters talking about how Jesus is better than everything. Jesus is better than Moses. Jesus is better than the sacrifices. Jesus is the great high priest. And then in chapter 11, he gives a list of people who lived like that was true, even though they couldn't see it. And then in Hebrews 12, he says, all right, now you do it. Because these people were able to see that Jesus is better and live like it, now it's your turn. Despite everything that's going on, live like Jesus is better. So that's where we find these verses. Join me in Hebrews 12, verses 28 and 29. It's at the end of the chapter. The author writes, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. So it starts with the fact that we have humbly received the greatest gift. We have humbly received the kingdom that can't be shaken. So what is it? I'm going to work a little bit backwards on this phrase here, this first phrase, which is, therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Uh, What does it mean that it can't be shaken? So the image that he's using here is from Haggai chapter 2, verse 6, which says, for thus says the Lord of hosts, yet once more in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land Hegai is speaking to Israelites who have been taken out of their homeland and taken into the city of Babylon. And he's telling them that God is going to restore the kingdom. He's going to give them a kingdom that is much better than the one that they left. He's telling them that it's a kingdom that can't be shaken, a kingdom that, that can't be destroyed, that can't be taken down, because God is the one who's building it. It's going to be holy. It's going to be filled with his glory. It's going to be filled with God's presence. It's going to be defined by God's presence. It also means that it's going to be eternal. It can't be shaken. It can't be destroyed. It's going to last forever, just like God lasts forever. He also tells them that this kingdom, we also know that this kingdom is here and not yet fully here. That's what the author of Hebrews is getting at. He's, he's telling this group of Christians that this kingdom is here. It came when Jesus was born as a baby, when God himself came as a baby to live on this earth. But it's not yet fully here. It's still coming. You're going to see this kingdom now, but you're going to see it even more clearly when we're there, when it fully comes it's just like the the israelites in exile these people living in a city where they know that this is not home this doesn't feel right this is uncomfortable i don't want to be here i want to be home and so they're looking forward to this kingdom knowing that they are sojourners on a journey to this kingdom looking forward to this kingdom and that they're exiles in a place where they don't belong, but knowing that someday they'll be able to go home, to be able to go to the kingdom that can't be shaken, to the home that will be filled with peace and God's glory. It's a kingdom that's under the rule and reign of King Jesus, the good king, a kingdom that's unlike any other, a kingdom that's, that's not defined by war and by conquering, but it's defined by servanthood that's led by a great teacher who washes the feet of his disciples, led by a king who died the most humiliating death possible on a cross, a kingdom unlike any other, and a kingdom that they've received, that we've received, a kingdom that we've not just been made a part of, but that we've been given, that there's some, there's some ownership here, that we're not just citizens of this kingdom, but heirs. And so that's where he moves next. Well, that's where I'm moving next. That's where he was before this. That we have received this kingdom from God, that there's no earning of this kingdom. It's not something that, that we work for and can rack up enough points to get. We don't deserve this kingdom. It's nothing that that we have inherently about ourselves that means that we deserve this kingdom. In fact, it's just the opposite. We were rebels against this kingdom, fighting against this kingdom, fighting against a kingdom that can't be shaken. And so therefore, our response is to be humble gratitude. Gratitude says, let us be grateful for receiving this kingdom. Gratitude is, has humility built into it. Gratitude is recognizing that you've received something and that the person that you are, and that you were there for in debt to the person that gave it to you. That there's nothing that you can give them but praise. You can give them thanks for receiving this gift, for receiving this thing. And so you're recognizing that you're in a lower position than that person. And so what the author of Hebrews is saying is that because you have received this kingdom, gratitude needs to be built into your life. It needs to be part of the basic building blocks of your life and of what makes you a Christian. What defines you as a citizen and an heir of this kingdom should be humility and gratitude. So we've been brought into a kingdom that can't be shaken. We get the joy and opportunity to be part of that kingdom. And he's graciously given us the status of chosen and loved heirs of an eternal, unshakable kingdom. But when we look around, that's not the world that we see. Uh, If we know that this kingdom is here and that we have received it, then how can we see and experience that kingdom now? We see and experience that kingdom by looking to our king. We are citizens constantly looking to King Jesus. And we do this by looking back, by looking around, and looking forward. Recognizing that Jesus is our yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. So by looking back, remembering what he's done for us on the cross, remembering what it was that made us citizens and heirs of this kingdom, remembering the great sacrifice that it cost to make the rebels heirs, Remembering that we have a king that sympathizes with us. A king, a God who was born into human flesh, who was a servant, who wept at his friend's grave, who is able to sympathize with everything that we are going through. And also remembering what, what he's done in our lives to this point. Remembering that what we've done What's happened to us to even get us to this point is all because of King Jesus and him alone. By looking around, by seeing and experiencing the ways that he's at work in those around us, by looking for the evidence of his fingerprints in other people's lives, seeing the ways that our king is working in those around us, trusting that he's currently at work in us and in the world, that even when we can't see the ways that he's, in work, that he's working in us or in the world around us, that we can trust that he is working, that King Jesus is reigning over his kingdom. That when things don't make sense, we can trust in our good king and knowing that he is at work. And then also making, work, making room for him to work in us towards those around us making room for King Jesus to show his rule and reign to those around us, through us, as citizens and heirs of this kingdom, as representatives of this kingdom. And most importantly, at the church. Christ's body and bride, the place where we should feel at home, this gathering, these people here, This should be the place where we most see God's kingdom, where we most see King Jesus. But the problem is it doesn't always look like that. We aren't always a community filled with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. That's not always what defines us. But if we have this vision of King Jesus and of seeing him in this community and of being good representatives through the work of the Holy Spirit to one another and trying to create this kingdom here through the power of the Holy Spirit, that's how we keep our eyes on King Jesus. And by looking forward, looking forward to the day when all suffering will end. When God shakes the earth and all that's left is Him and His goodness. When all that's left is Christ and those who find themselves in Him. Looking forward to the day when everyone who has hurt or taken advantage of others will be held accountable. The day when everything is made right. And this isn't just a fun thought exercise or something that helps us pass the time, but it's something that helps us stand in awe and reverence of our God and King. Keeping our eyes fixed on good King Jesus so that the more that we behold Him, the more that we see Jesus, the more that we are able to worship and praise our God and King for the kingdom that is here and is still coming. When we have our eyes and our lives pointed toward our king, we can see glimpses of the kingdom here. And then in awe and reverence of our king, we praise his name for everything that he's done, everything that he's doing, and everything that he will do. And we know that as exiles and strangers in this world, that Jesus is our only hope and confidence. Finally, in this passage, we see that we know that Jesus makes it all worth it. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. So again, the the author of Hebrews is calling on Old Testament images to help illustrate his point. Uh, God as a consuming fire is usually highlighting two things. One, God's holiness. That it's a consuming fire to where anything that's unworthy gets burned up, consumed. But then also that God is a jealous God. That he, he doesn't want his people to be chasing after anything other than him that he he wants us to be found in him and to find ourselves fully in him. And it's also good news because God will burn everything that is unworthy of his name. All the pain and disaster that fills the world, everyone who's hid behind the label of Christian, every feeling of emptiness and hopelessness consumed, gone, all of that shaken away. And all that remains, King Jesus and his kingdom. And this is good news because Jesus has made us worthy. We don't have to worry about making ourselves worthy. You have been made clean in an unshakable kingdom. Able to live in God's glory. Able to live in the presence of God's holiness because of Jesus. You've been clothed with the purity of Jesus, righteous and blameless, to where when God looks at you, he doesn't see your sin or your failure. He sees his son. He sees the righteousness and holiness of his son so that you can be welcomed into the kingdom with open arms. Because you aren't just a rebel-turned-citizen You are chosen and deeply loved, an heir to a kingdom that is filled with God's glory. A rebel turned heir, one who once fought against God's kingdom, but is now welcomed in, chosen and deeply loved. See, when you live as a worthy representative of your king, you're you're doing things that are worth it, things that, that won't be consumed. Taking a stand for your faith is worth it. Choosing Jesus over everything else is worth it. Because King Jesus will stand. This kingdom will stand. Caring for those in need is worth it. Jesus says that when you care for the least of these, you're doing it to him. That that it's something that's worth it. That's part of this unshakable kingdom. That fighting sin is worth it fighting against all of the things that will one day be consumed and fall away is worth it. That seeking to know Jesus deeper every day is worth it. That the time that you spend getting to know your king and seeing King Jesus more and more is worth it. That it won't be a waste of time. That it's something that will last. That joining us in this week of prayer is worth it. It's worth the time that's spent. That the time trying out some of these new resources for audio Bibles or anything that helps you get into God's word more is worth it. It's worth the time that is spent. It also leads to the question, are you spending your time on something that won't last? This is a question I've been asking myself around this new year. Are there things in my life that I need to cut out Are there things that aren't helping me grow to be more like Jesus or to see my king more fully every day? See, we press on as heirs of an unshakable kingdom, grateful, with our eyes fixed on Jesus, living like he makes it all worth it. We stand in awe of King Jesus, who has given us the most solid thing in the universe, his kingdom. He's given us the keys to an eternal home. And in Jesus, we find things that are going to last. Christian, no matter what you're experiencing, the kingdom that you have received is worth it. King Jesus is worth it. In fact, you're standing on the only thing that's reliable, the only thing that's natural disaster-proof, the only thing that's rust-proof, war-proof, death-proof, disease-proof, bankruptcy-proof, and fear-proof. King Jesus and his kingdom. It's worth it. Jesus is worth it. His kingdom is worth it. And whenever you do something that's pleasing to God, following the example of Jesus, it's worth it. Whenever you act as a good representative of King Jesus, it's worth it. You've been given a kingdom that can't be shaken. Live like it's here. Look forward to the day when you'll see King Jesus face to face and hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have made rebels your children. God, that you have welcomed us in to the greatest kingdom that could ever exist. God, that we can be welcomed in to your presence and glory and that we can sing your name with joy knowing that it means an inheritance that we could never hope to earn or ever hope to deserve. God, we pray that in this new year, Lord, that we would see King Jesus more and more clearly every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.